a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism, Pastor Fleming. And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. <laughs> so, uh, if you guys would put mega, the mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. Contending for the gold medal of the worst podcast, this is Table Talk Radio. Is that an Olympic, uh, uh, Olympic uh, event yet? The worst it podcast. Be next year. It's going to replace. Shooting. <laughs> Have you been watching the Olympics I was, yet? I, we, I, I, I just put on the uh, highlights, you know, on the Roku. Mm. They, the Roku's got that name. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think that um, I was I was watching the highlights, and I'm like, huh, this is interesting. I've never seen this game before. Never knew this even existed. Huh. <laughs> so that's, I'm like, what is this field hockey? Like field, you got that. You know, I've heard of the ice hockey, and I've heard of air hockey. This is like apparently dirt hockey. So there's air hockey and there's... Anyway, it's been interesting. It's been expanding my horizons. You know my favorite thing about the Olympics, though? Which is why I think they have to be all politically woke and everything. Is because when you're watching the Olympics, it's so obvious that there's a difference between the women and the dudes. Right, right. Like, for example, they'll play volleyball. And they'll show the highlights of the women's volleyball. And you're like, whoa, dang. They're pretty good at the volleyball. And then they show men's volleyball, and you're like, sheesh, this guy can jump over the net. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. Or, right. Or then they'll do, like, the the men's, the women's race swimming, and then the men's race. And, like, the very last guy in the men's race would have, like, been a, like, seven-second world record in the... So it reminds us that there's differences between men and women, which is apparently something that we need to be reminded of these days. This is weird. So, so it, then they're like, so then the Olympics says because they're making this such a very obvious point about it. They're like, but also never mind, <laughs> right? Yeah, because it's, we can have men now lifting the weights. It's interesting that, and since you got me going on this, uh, <laughs> it's interesting that it used to be. Don't talk to him about the Olympics. They, they had, uh, like Title Nine that said, look, if you're going to provide sports, you have to allow uh, women's access to sports too. And now uh, it would be Title whatever number they're at. That says, "Hey, if you're going to allow women sports, you have to let men play in it." <laughs> Wait a minute, that'll be good. We just came from that. That's good. <laughs> How long did feminism last? Thirty seconds, and then the dudes take over. Dude looks like a lady. Although that's doesn't that's not even the case. Like looking at like that. <laughs> that I mean, yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, anyway, I, I think it's interesting. So, today? like, uh, they have like half court basketball as an Olympic event. Oh, I saw that. It's yeah. like, uh, oh, man, I I couldn't run the full court. So, how about we just <laughs> stay on this side and call it a different a different sport? <laughs> <laughs> 
This is like a half court podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. Run all the way down there. Can't we just shoot on the same basket? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'm an Olympian. Over like, and over again. Hey, did you know I'm an Olympic athlete? <laughs> oh, really? What event? Half court basketball. <laughs> you, what, you couldn't run the full court? It was it too far down there? <laughs> no way, man. That's a long way over there. <laughs> And then, and then they were doing like the. Have you the, seen a basketball the, court? It's big. The, uh, it is. Uh, I want to do like half court football, so they don't have to run all the way down there. But no, uh, <laughs> have you seen? Did you see the the whitewater rafting? They uh, they didn't. No. They apparently didn't want to like actually go into a real river, so they made <laughs> a river, a man made like canal like a with like water jets <laughs> for the canoeing. <laughs> Just. <laughs> Really? It's really weird. It's very industrial. It's like concrete sides, and they're going down there, you know, going over like these plastic bumps and stuff. It's really weird. <laughs> of course, I live yeah, in Oregon, weird. where I can just like throw a stone in a river at any any moment. So, but that's right. Anyway, it's different for you. I saw I saw some uh, kayaking. I'm like kayaking is a thing, and, and then I watch it. I'm like, oh yeah, kayaking. And then I always, you know, it's always this joke. It's like, oh, let's watch the ping pong. But then I watch the ping pong. Oh, man. Wowzers. I was thinking. I think that actually should count as a sport. I think ping pong. I used to joke about ping pong. But now there's so many other sports to joke about that ping pong looks pretty serious. It it does. I was thinking, hey, wouldn't it be great if instead of, like, fighting wars where we're killing each other, we just, like, I don't know, play ping pong? And so, (laughs) of course, we, we wouldn't want to go against the Chinese on that one. But. But, but but it's so intense. Like, really <laughs> it's like man, well, this would be so much awesome easier. Moves like where you hit the ping pong ball when it's about to hit the ground, and it goes up and like loops around the net and on the table. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, it reminds me of my college days. Okay, <laughs> I was just like that. All yeah, right. Okay. Well, uh, if, unless we're, lest we talk about the Olympics and nothing else this entire show, we're going to do some Tank Man to the News, I think. Is that the game that okay. we're funneling this conversation into? Sure. Okay. And also, I've got a buzzword for you. Ready for my buzzword? I'm ready. My buzzword for you is Catholic. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> don't, don't mention the Catholics around Brian. He'll go off. You know, I. You know, uh, so, you know what Catholic means? Uh, universal, I thought. Yeah, universal. All, to all times, all places. You know what the opposite of Catholic is? Uh, Roman. Rome. Because <laughs> you know what Rome is not? It's not everywhere. It's not everywhere. <laughs> In fact, Rome is a very not everywhere thing. Rome is a very specific place. Rome, in fact, if in some ways, Rome is the opposite of Catholic. In fact... <laughs> If you wanted to put two contradictory words together, the word would be Rome and Catholic. <laughs> because Catholic means everywhere, and Rome means Rome. somewhere. Not everywhere. <laughs> so do you see what happens if someone would say, like, hey, you know, we're everywhere, but also here. Rome. We're the everywhere we church located in Rome. <laughs> right here. That's not everywhere. And then they would say... You know what? You guys over there, you destroy Catholicity because you deny because you're over there. Rome. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz you're not in you're not in Rome. So you can't be everywhere. Boy, you've been That's your That's your fault. By you've the been way. meditating on this, I can tell. Uh, th- you <laughs> 
I don't know if meditating is like catching on fire is the same thing because I'm getting pretty upset with these Fulios. That's the, the Fulio Curio. <laughs> so they, because they always say, hey, you know, you, so you, they, you destroy Catholic. They say this, Luther, if it's Luther's fault, there's all these divisions in the church. Oh, yeah? What about the great schism, buddy? What about the schism we call great? You go and ask the Eastern Orthodox, you're like, hey, what's the problem with the unity of the church? Like, the Pope. And you go and ask Luther, hey, what's the problem? Unity of the church, the Pope. And you go ask the Protestant, hey, hey, what's the problem for unity? What's the obstacle for unity in the church? Like, oh, the Pope. And then you ask the Pope, hey, what's the problem for the unity of the church? Like, everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm suspicious. Those people who aren't submitting to me. That's right. Do you can you imagine someone? Okay, this is what we want you Christians to do. We want you Christians who are followers of Jesus to also follow me. And if you don't, you're not a Christian. Like, wait a minute! I don't want to be a popian. I don't want to. And then and then they do this. Ooh, they say you Lutherans. You know what you guys do? You follow a man. How can you possibly follow a man, Luther? It's like wait, you're the Roman Catholic. You're the follow. You actually, your official doctrine is that you follow a man, the Pope. That's what it. You're, that's like the whole thing about being a Catholic. We follow one man, the Pope. That's what it. And then you call us, you you accuse us of following a man. When okay, so if Lutherans follow a man, they're doing it wrong. They're not being Lutheran because there's no Luther is not the Pope. He makes no claims for infallibility or anything like that. That he's the symbol of unity and that that he replaces Jesus. That he is the head of the church in every place and every time. All of it. No, there's no such claim that comes from Luther. And if anybody would say that that's what they are as a Luther, they would be wrong and idolatrous, like the Catholic Church is, who worship. I mean, follows the Pope, the man, the Pope, and it's tyranny. To, I mean, this sola scriptura thing has also got me worked up because they're like, look, uh, the, you know, it's the Church that gave us the Bible, and we have to have the magisterium and all this sort of stuff. So you have to believe not just what God gave you, but you have to also believe what we gave you. Which is a, it's a, it's mental slavery. It's, it's, it's tyrannical. It's this insistence on being under a, another human being and exalting him above everything in heaven and earth and putting him in the place of Christ in the temple of God, which sounds suspiciously like what Saint Paul warned us of. And then they claim that we are the problem, that it's us, that all the ills in the church and the world come from Luther. Give me a break. Ugh. So my buzzword is Catholic. My not-so-theological buzzword for you is triggered. And that is <laughs> what just happened. <laughs> that's that's what guys, happens I, when you mention Roman Catholic around like, Brian Wolfie. Like, order, of the, order of the sacred trolls or whatever, because <laughs> there, there's all these like secret... I love it. I don't know. It's like the Knights of Columbus on YouTube comments. They get together and like, yeah, well, no doubt there's some good Roman Catholic people. No doubt. Don't mistake me. But man, oh man, their doctrine is just brutal. All right. Well, we're going to do some breathing exercises during the break, and then we're going to be back doing some tick maps in the news. Uh, so it's here you have a, a couple interesting things here, uh, that wokeness is a Christian heresy. We'll be talking about that. Also, what about the weaponization of the Eucharist? <laughs> that is going to be interesting. We'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio. 
You won't find a better show out there unless you try. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. Yep. U.S. Catholic bishops okay steps toward possible rebuke of Biden, AP reports. That should be an article that to uh, find a warm place in Pastor Wolfender's heart, right? I'm f- I'm finding you 200 points for using the word Catholic without the word Roman. In front of it. <laughs> hey, I was you're it, negative 200. It was a direct now. quote. Why don't you dock the AP? In fact, if you're in the business, go ahead and just start. Uh, going to all the media outlets saying, I just docked you 200 Table Talk radio points. <laughs> that's, that's right. They'd be like, ah, no. Catholic? There's nothing Catholic about the, the anti-Catholic Roman church. <laughs> oh, God. The Roman papists. Right. Well, let me, let you me, know, that's what the Lutherans <laughs> used to call them, the papists. Right. Remember the papists? That's actually a, probably a, the right name for them. Indeed. Papists. All right, this is what it says. It says, U.S. Catholic bishops overwhelmingly approved the drafting of a teaching document that many of them hope will rebuke Catholic politicians, including President Joe Biden. Roman Catholic. Sorry. For receiving communion despite their support for abortion rights. Uh, The decision, vehemently opposed by a minority of bishops, came despite appeals from the Vatican for a more cautious and collegial approach to the divisive issue. And it raises questions of how quick, how closely the bishops will be able to cooperate with the Biden administration issues such as immigration and racial injustice. The result of the vote, 128 in favor, 55 against, was announced Friday near the end of the three-day meeting of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Roman. Roman. <laughs> that was held virtually. The bishops had cast their votes privately on Thursday after several hours of impassioned debate. I have a little bit more to read, but it sounds like you were itching to say something there. No. Okay. Supporters I mean, of the measures, yes, but you better just you better keep going here. Right. Supporters is... of the measure said a strong rebuke of Biden is needed because of his recent actions protecting and expanding abortion access. Recent actions. Well, opponents. Is this a surprise to them? They're like. How weird! I had no Joe idea. Joe Biden is a favorite. It's amazing. <laughs> While opponents, I he's a good Catholic boy. Opponents warned that such an action would portray the Roman bishops Catholic. as a partisan force during a time of bitter political divisions across the country. As a result of the vote, the USCCB's <laughs> doctrine committee will draft a statement on the uh, United States Roman Catholic. <laughs> So it should be the USRCCB. Yeah. We'll draft a statement on the meaning of the communion in the life of the church that will be submitted for consideration at a future meeting. So this is probably going to come out sometime right before the 2024 election. Anyway, here's here's, here's a reaction I want to get from you. I'm jumping down to the part where it quotes uh, Bishop Robert McElroy of San Diego countered that the USRCCB would suffer destructive consequences from a document targeting Catholic politicians. Quote, it would be impossible to prevent the weaponization of the Eucharist, McElroy oh, said. Boy. He warned oh, that yeah. the initiative would weaken the bishop's ability to speak on issues such as poverty, racism, and the environment. Now, I'm going to interpret that. You tell me if I'm misinterpreting it, at least the, at least the last part. Um, if we 
if we um, practice uh, close communion, uh, if we if we practice church discipline for those who live publicly contrary to our doctrine and beliefs, then we will lose our influence amongst politicians. <laughs> Am I understanding that right? I think that's right. I, okay, so look, start with the good. Okay. <laughs> This is not, I mean, I'm not. This is like saying, tell your sister you're sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Start with the good, Brian. I was was having lunch with a guy the other day, and he's talking about Bishop Barron. And I'm just, I'm just just rumbling over these guys. Okay, so, okay, okay. Here's the good. The Roman Catholic Church on paper is an ally when it comes to fighting against abortion. And most serious Catholics and most bishops and most the Pope most of the time it seems pretty solid on that. Okay. That's good. <laughs> and that's important. You know what happened the last time I was at a March for Life? Some Catholics up there. It's always the crazy charismatics and the crazy Catholics at the Marches for Lifes. And I'm not happy about that either, if anyone's wondering. Because the Catholics get up there and like, we got to support. We got to be pro-life. And that means anti-abortion. And it also means anti-the death penalty. Like, Hmm. what? Hmm. But, like, if you're just making stuff up, I guess you can just make stuff up. I mean, there's no... that It's... hmm. You know, uh, they they just are undercutting themselves. Anyway, do you, so do, do you so think, we can go ahead. We can give thanks to God that they do have on paper a solid doctrine of pro life. But you now here's the point: they're like you know because the Catholics are like hey you know remember how Luther destroyed the unity of the church and we we're all unified over here by the under the Pope. We all got you know we're all on the same page. We're all we all believe the same stuff like. Uh, like our official doctrine and like uh, Joe Biden, it's all the same. There's no division at all here in the Roman Catholic Church. We're all together. It's like, well, okay, that's, of course, a sham. And even when you have the bishops split by 75 25% here voting on what you say something to to public figures who are acting in support of the destruction of babies in the womb, and there's a division there, this whole big smokescreen of unity starts to blow away pretty quick which is which should have been obvious from the beginning i mean the only thing the only thing that the the roman catholics are agreed on is that they're that there's rome i mean that and the reason why this is so troubling is that because the roman catholic church claims to have both temporal and uh spiritual power yeah how's that working out right they make themselves into a political force. The reason why it's impossible not to weaponize the Eucharist is because they've weaponized the gospel already ah, by, by claiming the power of the, of the sword to be both Caesar and God. And so, so that the Catholic Church, because it understands itself as a political entity, can't engage in things in a non-political way. It's, it's impossible. It's and it's their own fault, and then they get mad at us again. They get like, they're hey, you can't have a Catholic president because he'll be, you know, is he going to be 
subject he's going to serve the United States or he's going to serve the well that's actually a legitimate question because the Catholic doctrine requires this submission in all things and I mean all things like the Pope will boss you around about the stupidest stuff about what clothes to wear and how to hang the dalmatic when you're doing the all the nonsense and where to <laughs> I mean it's it's like he, I mean, we thought the Pharisees were bad anyway Sorry. Well, here, here's the thought. I mean, it, you sort of touched on this, but uh, how about the ecclesiology going on here? Um, so that in order for something like this to take place, uh, a group of bishops get together and debate and make a vote. And it, the result is a headline that says, U.S. Roman Catholic bishops, okay steps toward possible rebuke of Biden. And this is newsworthy. And I'm thinking if... If Joe Biden was well, what, what if he was a, a Missouri Synod Lutheran? Like, what what if Joe right. Biden went to my congregation? Um, I'm thinking I'm not I'm not running it up the flagpole to say, uh, all right, district president or all right, synodical president or uh, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not asking the uh, circuit visitor what to do in this situation. I know what to do because our Lord Jesus has told us, and the the yeah. the, the, the moment I'm aware of his public stance, um, then I would have a talk with him and saying, look, uh, I can't give you communion if this is what your public confession is. And, and, and that, I mean, that, that, that's where it stops. Like that, that's where it goes. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't know. So, so it's a, it's a different ecclesiology to say uh, who is, who is the steward of the mysteries of God? Um, right. And then, then the other, the other point I have is, um, I wonder how much in the church has been um, has been overlooked under the guise of well we don't want to get political right the, the, there's a lie that says um, that we should not be political and and I suppose that there's a right understanding of that like I don't think it's appropriate for the pastor to be telling me um, whether I should vote for this county commissioner or that county commissioner or whether we should you know whether we should be i don't know uh, passing this bill or that bill that would cause higher taxes or lower taxes i think you know people are free to decide those things but because we have that position that we shouldn't be getting into politics we also think any matter that is also political is off limits so things like abortion. Well, abortion, I guess, is political, but it's moral, <laughs> and anything right. that's moral is the pastor and the Christian's duty to to take up. Right, and if and if politics isn't dealing with morality and ethics and things that are good and true, then, well, you, I mean, then what does it matter? You know, so mm-hmm. of course, so of course, politics is going to have to touch on things like life and things and things like this, and we have the. In the scriptures, we have the shortcut to the wisdom of God on this. But as far as politics is concerned, all these things are accessible through reason. But I don't know. We quit using that thing. Reason a long, long time, time ago. ago. Yeah. I mean, you're and you're right. It's like what what has taken the bishops so long? I mean, how this should have been like this. This is not a. This is probably fifty years too late. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, he's he, by the time they come out with some kind of an, an action, he's not even going to know his name. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Where's my church? <laughs> I can't find it. Where's Rome? All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to Table Talk Radio.
Neal. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Table Talk Radio will be right back. Get the Around the Word devotions delivered to you in a free daily email. You can f- sign up for that at whatdoesthismean.org. Click the Devotions button. Thank you to our listener, Stephen, for sending us that last article on the weaponization of the Eucharist, or so-called. Uh, now we're going to be talking about uh, the is wokeness a Christian heresy? What do you what do you think, Pastor? I'm still thinking about this the Roman Catholic nonsense. You know what they I, here's the thing that the 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 secret order of cat Romanist trolls said to me the other day. They said we think that Luther was he started the Reformation because he was a pervert and he wanted to get married. <laughs> I thought, is that what perverts do? Get married? And also, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> are you guys sure you want to go down this road? <laughs> are, are, is that the argument you guys want to make? Okay. Uh, I'm not sure you want. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just have that conversation if you want. What a bunch of knuckleheads. These guys. Oh, Bishop Barron's got a really nice voice. What was that? Uh, he Charles does have a nice voice, by the way. <laughs> I wish it, I, Bishop Barron could be reading like the, you know, the receipt from the, from from Lowe's or something, and you'd be like, wow, sounds smart. <laughs> Normally, people don't sound that smart unless they have a British accent or Australian. <laughs> okay. What do you You're do just jealous. Are you Why jealous work? of Bishop Barron's YouTube channel? Envy. It's a seven deadly sin. He told me. Oh, maybe, maybe you ought to uh, have him on your YouTube channel and have a little Roman. Somebody Catholic. said that. I, I, I should um, debate the Bishop Barron. He's a bishop. Would you? If, <laughs> if he agreed, would you do it? I think so. He'd probably clean my clock. I always get my clock cleaned on these stupid debates. <laughs> I always think about it afterwards. I'm like, well, I probably should have thought about that before. <laughs> you know, I, but I, 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 I'll be a fool. Go on there. He knows all about uh, stuff. He knows all. I mean, th- these guys just read. You know, they take out a class on Aquinas, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a. Um, I don't know. We should probably have an Aquinas because it's like cheating. You know, to well, have we could have um, uh, Brian Flammy in your ear during the debate. We'll just. Uh... Flammy will will whisper some Aquinas thing to you, and then you'll be equipped. That's right. This is the thing, you know, they do, like, uh, well, you guys disagree with all the church fathers because of this one quote, as if the church fathers agree with each other. <laughs> I know. That's and they, they accuse us. They're like, you're just picking and choosing. It's like, oh, you guys are not? You're not you guys are not cherry-picking the church fathers? You're not? You're just taking what they consistently taught in every place and every time? <laughs> Really? Why did you talk to Why did you talk to our friends the Eastern Orthodox about that? <laughs> All right, I want to know if wokeness is a Christian heresy. How about this? This is a great little. It's an audio thing from Breakpoint Commentary, Chuck Colson Center, by this guy John Stone Street, who I kind of like. And um, 
he so this is an audio thing, but I, I'll read it to you because they they have the transcript here. Uh, in four wait 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 in four sixteen B.C. during the Peloponnesian War between Athens and Sparta, Athens decided to attack the neutral island of Melos. When the Milesians protested that they had done Athens no wrong, the Athenians replied, "The strong do what they can; the weak suffer what they must." Hmm. The Milesians were starved into surrender. Their men were killed. Their women and children were sold into slavery. None of this was unusual in the ancient world. The strong, it was supposed, had every right to dominate the weak. Cruelty, rape, torture, slaughter were ordinary means of enforcing power. Neither the gods nor the moral codes opposed dominations. Atheist historian Tom Holland describes his feeling about the Greco-Roman world in this way. It was not just the extreme callousness that unsettled me, but the complete lack of any sense that the poor or the weak might have the slightest intrinsic value. That's from, I wonder why people keep calling me on the phone here. That's from this book called Dominion, How the Christian Revolution Remade the World. But again, this is a, this is a, a, a pagan historian. So uh, Stone Street goes back, uh, it goes on to say, as I pulled it up because I changed the page. You got it there in front of you? Mm -hmm. So what changed? Oh. Holland notes, the difference was Christianity. Christians and Jews believed that all persons were made in the image of God. Thus, every person has an intrinsic worth and dignity, no matter their race, ethnicity, gender, or strength. On this basis, oppression of the poor and weak was condemned. And that's true. Christianity condemns that. Neither might nor wealth made right. Christianity further emphasized the spiritual and moral equality of all people. Not only do we all share in the same humanity, but we all suffer from the same problem, sin, and are in need of the same solution, salvation through Christ. Remember, for example, Paul in in Galatians it says there's no longer slave nor free there's no longer Jew nor nor Gentile there's no longer male nor female there's an equality there's a kind of extreme equality when it comes to both our desperate need for salvation and the salvation that's won for us through Christ because of these ideas Stone Street continues Christianity is the sole historical source of concepts now taken for granted human dignity human equality universal human rights not as not only Tom Holland, but other prominent atheists such as Jurgen Habermas and Lucy Ferry admit, Luke Ferry admit, these ideas are the root of our modern concept or concern for the poor and the oppressed, and this is why it's accurate to call wokeness a Christian heresy. Mm -hmm. no, wokeness, yet. I'll can yeah, yep. go ahead. Wokeness, a way of seeing the world built on critical theory, fastens onto the Christian idea that oppression is evil, but. It makes the sole significant fact about human and society. It makes uh, it makes it oppression the sole significant fact about human humanity and society, while rejecting so much else that Christianity teaches, including original sin, forgiveness, and salvation. Hmm. What do you think about that? I think he's uh, right. Um, so I, I might I might flesh out that last paragraph you just read a little bit more. Um, well, actually, I think he he maybe mentions it in the next paragraph but like the big thing right now is um you know critical race theory right so uh this is the idea that you have the oppressed and the oppressed and um the the rectification of a wrong comes where the uh, oppressed becomes now the oppressor and the re rather than renouncing that the op oppression was an ill that we should abandon it instead asserts that the um, oppressed is justified in being the oppressor. So it's just about uh, changing, you know, turning the tables. So, you know, 
there are slaves and there are masters. And then what uh, this promotes is the idea not to say, well, then we shouldn't have slavery because uh, it is it is wrong. It is to say, well, the slaves then get to become the masters and the masters get to become slaves. And uh, to rectify a past ill, you must accept that new oppression. But mm-hmm. we, f- we find the logical fallacy in that, um, if nothing else, that if, if, it was, if it was inherently wrong, it's inherently wrong when the oppressor does it too. It's, it, you know, mm-hmm. your, your mother was teaching you against critical race theory when she told you two wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that just kind of fleshes out the heresy aspect of it. So I, I agree, though, um, that it was Christianity that came along and said, hey, guys, uh, this, we cannot have rankings on the basis of race or um, gender, things like this. Now, I, I know what people are going to say about the gender thing, right? So Christianity has promoted misogyny, things like that. That's maybe a, a, a whole nother discussion, but... Rather, we would find equality amongst um, the sexes, but there's a proper role among the sexes, and those are two different things. Right. Right. You have further thoughts on this topic? Well, I do. I mean, uh, so I, I was. This was reminding me of the. Remember how the the Book of Concord starts in the Augsburg Confession, and it calls Muhammadism, what we call Islam, mm-hmm. a Christian heresy. Mm-hmm. I thought that's really an interesting thing that it's, this is not its own religion. This is a this grabs on to a handful of truths and corrupts the rest, and it makes you look at something differently. And I think to see wokeness as a Christian heresy is it does that same sort of thing because it lets you see what they've what they've what they've taken from Christianity and what they've left behind. And it rem- and and it leaves room a little bit for what for repentance? I think that's right. It leaves room for saying, you know, here's if if do you remember Dr. Marquardt would say that the heresies are the unpaid debts of the church, and that is that Pentecostalism grows out of a neglect of the true church to talk enough about the Holy Spirit, or. Mormonism grows out of the true church's neglect to speak clearly of the doctrine of the Trinity and grace, salvation by grace through faith. Or um, even like the cult of the saints that our Romanist friends practice. The papists. Uh, it grows out of papists who practice. It grows out of our neglect of uh, the piety of true prayer, things like this. So that wokeness now grows out of a neglect of the church, which is maybe this neglect of, uh, maybe it's a neglect of compassion Maybe it's a neglect of speaking clearly of uh, against racism, perhaps something like that. In other words, there's there's a place to explore our own duty to repent and to bless and serve our neighbor, and so it it gives a place for the I think for the conversation to start um, and say, well, okay, look, your desire to recognize each individual as having intrinsic value what we would call human dignity is good mm-hmm. but it's not enough you need more to for that to be helpful hmm. ah very interesting well let's let's chat about this a bit more on the other side of the break we're talking about whether 
wokeness is a Christian heresy. Looking at this article on Breakpoint written by John uh, Stone Street. We'll be right back. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Don't go away. Somewhere, a mystic is crying. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I'm taking some old Luther stuff, pulling it out of the collections and publishing it. You can download it for free or buy them for five bucks. Find it, the Everyone's Luther, at wolfmuller.co. Click on the books at the top of the page. We love hearing from our listener, 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. Let us know what your thoughts are, reactions, complaints. Uh, love to hear it all, and we occasionally we'll play those here on the air. Really? Uh, occasionally. Just just the best ones. Mm-hmm. Can we do that some more? Are we ready? We should do that sometime, like maybe later yeah. if we have time. Okay. Uh, but but we're talking a couple of points that Stone Street makes here. Yeah. Uh, a kind of first, second, third on the on wokeness being a Christian heresy. You guys, uh, so can we put this link in our in the show notes or whatever? That'd be sure. Great. Or just look at breakpoint.org. It's a nice thing. He has this five minute commentary every day. I kind of like to listen to it. First, uh, Stone Street says the anthropology of critical theory misunderstands who we are by assuming that the only relevant fact about us is that is where we fit within the various categories of oppression. We are the group we belong to, which serves a social role as either oppressor or oppressed. As such, the theory rejects any universals that unite humanity, including the image of God, and the fall into sin, and, I'm adding, and the redemption that we have in Christ, and the hope of the resurrection. So, uh, critical theory says who you are is the is where you fit in these kind of hierarchies of... Th- Right. overlapping categories of oppression. So that's the that's the anthropology. So so maybe um to this might be just kind of the same thing I said before but said a different way uh in light of what you just read. So so we look at something like uh, a a certain uh group of people being oppressed and Christianity can come along and say uh that's an evil uh and but then it has something to replace it with. It has it can say look we are all made in the image of God that we should uh, uh, have forgiveness and love one another. Uh, but for um, crit- critical race theory, it comes along and says that's an evil, but has nothing to replace it with. So the only thing that it can re- – it has to keep the same uh, framework and just replace who the oppressor and re- oppressed are. So it, it doesn't have the quality to be able to come along and say, but we're made in the image of God, so we should you know, be equal and love one another. Uh, they might use the language of equality, but the That's equality is that uh, the score is ten to zero. We need to start making the score you know, more like twenty to ten. You know, uh, right? So it's using That's the same the same evil device. Yeah, right. That's right. So it it is what it fights. I mean, it's it it becomes what it's fighting against. That's that was, huh? Now. Um, Stone Street has another point, which is, I think, going to match up with what you're saying there. Second, the understanding of sin or what's wrong with the human condition is also is limited to oppression. In this view, oppressors are guilty and the oppressed are innocent. 
universal, the universality of human guilt before God, that we all are broken and sinful, that we are all in need of forgiveness and redemption, is replaced by a moral reckoning that is dependent on which group we belong to. Human identity, human nature, human problems are all flattened onto a single spectrum of oppression. So I think that confirms what you're talking about, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I've been thinking more about... I, I, do you have more to say about this before we kind of go on a sidebar? Yeah, yeah, because, so a couple of... I mean, a couple of years ago, um, we were watching the ELCA convention. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And it was all about the systemic sin. And I was... And I was really pressing on that because I, I, I was trying to figure out where that was come. What the? I knew there was a problem there, but I couldn't put my finger on it. I was, and I tried. I don't think I got there then, but I think it's coming clear now. And that is that if there's, and and this goes back to Rousseau and and the Enlightenment and the remaking of of anthropo the the idea that. So Rousseau made this argument, and I only know this from this book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Rousseau made this argument that people are basically good and that sin comes from society. So that it's the culture that that it's stains the innocence of the human heart. And that locates the origin of sin in society or culture or in the, in the systemic troubles that we have. And so when we see the problem of sin not in the human heart, originating in the human heart, but rather in the society or the culture or the systems of oppression that are around us, then the solution is very different. It's not the, it's not the death of Jesus on the cross. It's something, it's something different. It's revolution or societal change or whatever. That becomes the solution to the problem if that's how we diagnose the problem. So, with, so that's just... The, the, the wokeness is is that precise thing. We're basically good, but we the society the the culture and the society has has stained us, and and now that has to be the revolution has to fix that because that's where the that's where the problem is. Hmm. Interesting. So have you read that whole book? I I was just someone just told me about this book. I'm working on it. Hmm. I'm getting there, but no answer. No. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I think I'm on page nine, so I've got one page left. <laughs> so, so I want to I want to press this, um, and I, and I think you know, you you've maybe been working through some of this too with um, the work you've been doing with uh, Dr. Schultz. Um, you know, I think that there's a a, a question of where. Um, let me try. Let me set it up this way: when when Christians speak, particularly in the public square, uh, to what extent are we just making reference to say things of natural law, versus what things must we, which which aspects of life require an understanding of say re revealed? Uh, in other words, as we as our culture struggles with these things, like the difference between a man and a woman. You know, that's a pretty clear natural law distinction. But when we talk about things like, um, you know, critical race theory, we just made the case, at least I, or at least I made the assertion, that um, this, is, this is problematic because they don't have Christian virtue to sort of put in its place. Mm -hmm. um, is, natural, is natural law enough to argue as a remedy to these problems? 
or must a person understand these things in light of uh, Christ who who comes and dies? Uh, so so that you let's say, you you say you go to the the local school board meeting to speak against critical race theory. Um, can it be? Can can you convince people against it on the basis of natural law, or must it be on the basis of what God reveals to us in Holy Scripture? So, if you would have asked me that question, I think even two years ago, <laughs> I, I would have said that natural law is enough for for ethical and moral and even then governmental decisions but you caught you i think you've caught me changing my mind on that for, and from dr schultz who will say that look there is a universality to jesus that he is the light of man and apart from him there is only darkness and and moral law can th that natural law can only be achieved by the grace of God in Christ. And so so the best we can be apart from Christ is hypocrites. And our Lutheran confessions even say this about the philosophers. They said they saw what a good life should be, what a good person should be, but they never themselves could obtain it. And so apart from the Spirit of God, which fills the heart of man, and apart from Jesus, and even the doctrine and teaching of Jesus, but also the presence and power of Jesus, there is no, there's no benefit at all, even from natural law and human society, I think. I think I'm, so, again, you would have asked me about that before, and I would have said, look, the Christian goes to the public square and engages only on natural, not, not, not on the revealed scripture, but I, I, I think I'm shifting on that. I don't know, you have got thoughts? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of going through the same shift in my mind, and, and, and Schultz had, had a little bit to do with that. Um, but I remember probably 15 years ago, uh, or thereabouts, um, back when we used to debate things like same-sex marriage in the public square. Yeah, yeah. And, and there, there was, there was a, uh, a Republican who conceded on it publicly in, a, um, in some kind of a uh, Congress hearing. And it was all because, you know, his own son came out as gay, and so all of a sudden he, he was no longer defending it. And I remember, um, you know, uh, th that his argument was that the only reason I could oppose same-sex marriage is because what I believe about the Bible. But I can't, I can't force other people to believe my beliefs about the Bible. And I remember uh, Todd Friel uh, reacting against that, and he was he was blasting the guy by saying, "No, we need to quote the scripture all the more." And I remember m my thinking in hearing Todd Friel saying is that, uh, "Well, we could make that argument on the basis of natural law. You know, a man marries a woman. You don't necessarily need the Bible for that. Uh, so whether you believe my Bible or not." Um, so that was that was kind of my my way my former way of thinking, um, but. If these things are, are 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 cannot be disconnected from Christ, the world will reject us all the more. But that's what Christ's promise would happen, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have about twenty seconds left. I'll give you the last word. Well, it's. I mean, this is. You're a hundred percent right about that. The the world. I mean, if you give someone something that's right according to natural law, the point is, well, so what? Why do I even care about? what's right so it's only in christ and and the beauty that he brings that the good and the true and the beauty beautiful are compelling to us yeah 
That's right. I'm afraid that's all the time we have. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like all the Bible knowledge Thanks you for get listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. From visiting Table the Talk Vatican Radio, website. It's not for everyone. <laughs> Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, I thought you were going to say the, the marriage advice from Bishop Barron. craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your trail. <laughs> For more information, visit <laughs> tabletalkradio.org.